Our gospel reading comes from St. Mark, chapter 1. And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit that the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Who are you? Who are you really? That's our, our question for today. And that was a question that, as I thought back upon my life, thinking about who I am, there was one point in my life in particular, and let's just call it what it is. There are many points. But one in particular where I recognized, I don't know who I was. Now, I probably couldn't, say it, put it in those terms at that time. It was 1991. And so I just entered into middle school. And I was part of the uh, public schools in my community. And we had five elementary schools that fed into one middle school. And between a larger school, larger amounts of classmates, New, cl- new rhythms, new schedule, and then everything that was changing inside of me as I was growing up. I, I questioned, who was I? Where did I belong? Was, was a question that I would ask a lot. And I, I remember specifically during those few middle school years, 1991, 92, 93, where I was trying to find myself who I was. I played trombone and I played piano. Was I part of the band crew? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, I also was part of 4-H. If you aren't familiar with 4-H, maybe that's a, a Midwest thing, but uh, I dealt with animals and, and it was a club. And our, my 4-H club was called Our Little Wonders. 
Ah, and, and my animals, I didn't show horses or cows or sheep. I showed guinea pigs. <laughs> and it was, it was cute. And it was fun. Was that who I was? Uh, a member of 4-H? Was that my identity? There was a time in seventh grade where I started playing football. Was I a jock? Did I fit in there? There was even a, a group in our school called the Muzzies. Now, this was a very specific term that only our school used, so I don't expect you to know this, but uh, Muzzies, I mean, maybe think of, of greasers, right? Uh, think of, think, you know, we're, we're early 90s, right? Think Nirvana. <laughs> think heavy plaid and flannel, right? Uh, think, think chains and um, some illicit things that we don't need to talk about right now. Was that my group? There were, some of them were really nice to me. Where did I belong? But really, who was I? I was trying to find that out during my middle school years. And the question that we have to ask today is, who am I? Who are you? Maybe, maybe you're someone that is very outdoorsy, like to hunt, like to camp. That's your, your jam, right? Maybe you're very musical, and you find identity in that. Maybe, uh, maybe you're someone who is a never-summer girl, or a never-summer guy. You know what that's like, right? Like those guys, those girls that want winter all the time. All they live for is powder days, right? Skiing and, yeah, there, there you go, right? Ski racing, right? Sledding, whatever. Saw some uh, cross-country skiers going down our road yesterday after we got a fresh dusting. Some of you, and this might be a little rarer up here, but some of you may say, Eh, that's not for me. I'd much rather be sitting on the beach sipping a Mai Tai than <laughs> be out in the cold. Who are you? Are you an introvert? Someone that's quieter, introspective, needs to take some time to think about things, maybe get a bit <laughs> large group settings. Are you an extrovert? Are you someone who loves to be around other people? What, who are you? What defines you? And here's the thing. In some ways, it's complicated. That's our series that we're in right now, right? These past four weeks now, we've been talking about life and life and relationships. And we're in a series called It's Complicated Through 1 Corinthians 6, 7, 8, 9, it's complicated the interconnectedness of relationships. And as we look at things, we've looked at things like how our body and soul are connected, how we're connected to the body of Christ, our, our, our body and is connected to the Lord's body. One thing that we need to think about, talk about, is how is 
my identity, my authentic Christian self connected to other people. And that's what we'll be talking about today. Our authentic Christian self. Did you know that the word authentic was Merriam-Webster's uh, uh, word of the year in 2023? Pretty much means the word that was Googled the most <laughs> was the word authentic. And it kind of makes sense. We live in a world that uh, many consider uh, a postmodern world where truth is, is relative. What's true for you may not be true for me is the thinking, right? And so when we lose truth, the only thing that we have left is authenticity. So what does it mean to be an authentic Christian? We start with the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul wasn't always called Paul. What many of you know, what, what was his name before Paul? Saul. Saul. Right, right. So Saul was his name, his original name. And Saul, his identity was very bound up in being a very devout Jew. Jew of Jews, right? Not only a Jew, but he was a Pharisee. Tightly, he adhered to every jot and uh, tittle of the law. And he thought that the Jewish way, this is the, the right way. And so when Christianity came along, when Jesus came along, what Paul, what Saul was thinking at that time was, Judaism is right, therefore Christianity is wrong. Not only that, but Christianity was becoming a threat. It was kind of popular in Jerusalem and throughout Israel. And so, as we've heard, the Apostle Paul one day was going up to Damascus, up the Damascus Road. So if you know your geography, Jerusalem is south of Damascus. Damascus, that's in Syria. He was taking the road. And his sole purpose for going on the Jewish road was to find Christians, drag them out of their homes, throw them in jail, and maybe even kill them. On this journey, the Apostle Paul is going up to Damascus, and he excuse me, Saul, at this time, he has a vision. He sees the ascended, resurrected Jesus come to him and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's struck down, he falls to the ground, and something happens to his eyes. Anyone remember what happens to Saul's eyes at that time? He goes blind. Can't Maybe a bit of a metaphor for Saul and his identity. He didn't really see who he was. Now he's led up to Syria, up to uh, Damascus, and there he meets uh, a man by the name of Ananias. 
Good. I'm glad we found our way, right? So, <laughs> see? I, I bet the Apostle Paul wished that they had Google Maps at that time. It might have made that trip a little easier. Right? Um, he gets there. He's still blind. Ananias comes to him. Ananias, you know, has a little fear, a little trepidation. Uh, Lord, you, you want me to go to this guy, Saul? Like, rumor has it he's killing Christians. Okay, all right, if you say so. And Ananias goes. And what does Ananias do for Saul? He gives him an identity. Well, he's God's tool, God's vessel to give him identity. He baptizes Saul. He washes away Saul's sins. Saul is baptized into the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has life. He has salvation. He has forgiveness. Saul has something like scales fall from his eyes. Now he can see. Saul goes on to be a missionary. He wants people so badly to know about Jesus and about the, the blessing that can be found in him that he goes and he tells people all throughout the Roman world about Jesus and Saul to complete his identity change changes his name to Paul. Names are kind of important. It's this Apostle Paul who's writing to the church in Corinth. It's this Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 22, uh, 19 through 22, who says that he will be a Jew to the Jews. Keep their customs, keep their laws, their dietary regulations, those sorts of things. It's this Apostle Paul who says that to those who have been given a, a law, the law, that he will, will live as one under the law. To the Jews I became a Jew. In order, why? To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Who's under the law? Probably what Paul is Differentiating here is what we would refer to as God-fearers. So people who weren't uh, racially Jews or weren't born Jews, but came to faith in the God of the Bible and the God of the Old Testament. And so he became like them to win them. To those outside the law, that's Gentiles, that's uh, Greeks and Romans and throughout the Roman Empire, people who weren't Jews, to those outside the law, he became like one outside the law. To the weak, and he just talked about this a little bit earlier, those uh, weak in conscience, conscience, he became weak. He wouldn't do anything to offend them. He did all of this, and, and he concludes in, in verse 22, he says this, he became all things, to all people, so that by all means he may save some. He was 
willing to do everything possible to share the gospel. In verse 23, he says, Paul says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in share with them in its blessings. Now it's important to recognize here. Paul knew who he was. Who was he? When he was baptized, God told him this. He said, you're a son of God. You're a follower of Jesus. Paul knew his identity, his authentic Christian self. So uh, he wasn't uh, a chameleon just trying to fit in. He wasn't like middle school me just kind of being a poser, right? Is that a, do you know that term? Like uh, trying to, to f- fake it so that you can fit into a certain group, you dress a certain way, you listen to a certain type of music, you, you, you pose, right, a, a, a certain way, that's the idea. He knew his authentic Christian self and he knew he so desperately wanted to share this blessing, this blessing of identity with other people drove him. I mean, the, the word here that's, that's used in verse 23 is the root word is koinonia. It's the same root word that's used in Acts 2 and Acts 4 when the early church, the first Christians, came together and fellowshiped with one another, broke bread went to the temple, were worshiping in their homes. Koinonia, this is the same root word that's used in the next chapter by the Apostle Paul to refer to communion, the Lord's Supper, what happens there, that, that fellowship. This is a deeply intimate blessing that Paul desires to share with everyone he comes in contact with. Now, it's, it's important for us to, to also take a step back and, and think about being all things to all people. Specifically, the Apostle Paul is talking about what we refer to as adiaphora. Big word. Adiaphora essentially means things that are neither Forbidden by God, nor commanded by God. Adiaphora. So there are certain things that we as Christians, as followers of God's word, we know are off limits. Um, Take a look at the Ten Commandments, right? Generally speaking, um, probably not a good idea to go out and kill your neighbor. Just saying. It's probably not God-pleasing. You know, being all things to all people doesn't mean uh, joining a cult and sacrificing people, right? Um, being all things to all people doesn't mean going around stealing, doesn't mean committing adultery so that uh, you can fit in with people who live that lifestyle, okay? So uh, there are certain things in God's Word that are just off limits. But within that, there are also many things, and this is where it gets complicated, many things that aren't commanded 
or forbidden by God. This is the Adi Afra. And in those areas, we have Christian freedom. And we celebrate with the Apostle Paul the ability to maybe do things a little different so as to put down any barriers between us and other people and win them for the Lord. This all comes back to the gospel, right? This is where the Apostle Paul found his identity. He finds his identity in Jesus. And Jesus, he knew who he was, right? Jesus, uh, of course, God of gods, right? Like, uh, so we could, we could just be done there and say, all right, Jesus knew what, who he was. He was God. We're done. But just in case Jesus forgot, God told him, God the Father in, in heaven told him twice, at his baptism, you are my son. And then again at his transfiguration, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. And he tells us as followers of Jesus to listen to Jesus. Jesus knew his identity. He wanted us to know his identity as well. He asked the question, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And there's all kinds of answers. A teacher, a prophet, blah, 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 right? Peter's bold confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Bingo. Peter nailed it. The identity of Jesus had been understood, at least in part, by Peter. Jesus wanted us to know who he was. And so he did things like hang out with people that he shouldn't have, right? He had dinner with people like tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes so that they could know him, know his identity, know who he is. And he died on the cross so that we not only could know him, but share, could share in his blessing. The blessing that he has to give to us. The blessings of life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. The blessing of our baptismal identity. Knowing who our authentic Christian self is. You, my friends, are a child of God. You, my friends, are united with Jesus in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. You are part of Christ's family. You are part of Christ's body. That is who you are. There is nothing else I can tell you that is more important than knowing your identity. You are loved by God. Amen. In middle school, it was eighth grade, where I finally uh, got invited into confirmation. 
took confirmation classes uh, with Pastor John Mitchell. And I remember one class talking uh, specifically with Pastor Mitchell. I'm talking about, wow, this is cool. We were reading the Old Testament and looking at how Abraham was actually, not just a solo story about a man named Abraham, but he was related to Isaac. And that Isaac was related to Jacob and Jacob related to Joseph and well this is kind of cool how it all comes together and Pastor Mitchell said at that time and you are part of that family as well for Christ's sake finally didn't have to pose anymore <laughs> didn't have to pretend to be a jock or a muzzy or whatever I knew my authentic Christian self I knew I was a child of God. And so there are things that we as, as Christians, things that we do to be all things to all people so that by all means some may be saved. Things like maybe we watch a sport that we're not that interested in. Like how many people are going to a Super Bowl party next week and maybe aren't that really into football. Okay, great, that's okay. You're there for a reason. That's being all things to all people so that by all means you can share the gospel with the people you are with. Uh, what else? Uh, maybe you eat certain foods. Foods that are maybe uh, um, common in that culture, in a different culture, so that you can fit in fellowship with these people. You attend maybe certain events that you wouldn't otherwise attend. But you know what? You know this is important for the people that you are going with. And it's an opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe, and this is a, a lot of missionaries do this, uh, learn a second language so that you can speak to people the truth of God in their native tongue. I'm uh, taking uh, a class right now. It's called Palestinians and Jews in the Holy Land and learning about kind of the tension. And, and I know I've, I've known a lot about Old Testament Israel and that sort of stuff, but 19th, 20th century, eh, a little foggy. So I saw this class and thought, okay, I need to take that one. The professors, one who's a Palestinian Christian, one who's a Jew, uh, teaching that, that class, talked about, this past Tuesday, talked about the importance of names in that area, in that region. And when they talk to uh, certain people, if they're talking to a Palestinian, they might call a city one name, and if they're talking to a Jew, they, talk, they use a different name, so as not to offend their culture. I thought that was pretty cool. May we be so confident in our identity as authentic Christians that we can also be all things to all people so that by all means some may be saved. Amen.